Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, welcome to My Millennial Property. You're with John Pigeon, and I'm joined again by Emily Wallace. How are you, Emily? I'm good. This is the first episode for the year, and I am pumped. Absolutely. Welcome to 2021, everyone. What a big 2020 it was, and we're so excited to bring this again in 2021, aren't we? 100%. I am very excited for some very interesting episodes that we have lined up, particularly for the first half of this year. Mm. I'm excited also to hear from the people, the people who listen to the podcast and want to learn more about property because that's what we're here for. Yes. And uh, the more we hear from them, the more we know what the people want. Absolutely. So, the, we love the Q&As. That was a favourite of mine in 2020 and and the listeners love the Q&A stuff. So, pour that stuff through on, on Facebook page or direct message, whatever you want to do. Look, we appreciate a review as well. Well, hopefully it's a fivey, but uh, if it's not, that's cool. Um, So reach out and and give us a review as well. Um, We've got a challenge for the listeners, Emily. We do indeed. It's a question that says, who can you share this podcast with for someone that hasn't listened, that, that can empower and change their world? That's the challenge. Definitely. And I think it's always a good feeling when you do share it with a friend, uh, you know, any podcast and they come back and say, oh, I listened to that episode. And did you listen to that one? And like you almost share notes and mm. and your learnings from it. So make sure you do share it with your friends who are looking into property, wanting to learn the terminology, yep. wanting to understand it in more depth. We would uh, appreciate the more people that listen, the better. Absolutely. Have you ever been on a bender? A bit like a podcast bender, are we talking here? Or <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was wanting you to say something else, but yeah, I was chatting to someone the other day that went on a podcast bender and and listened to my millennial property the whole go to woe um, in in one weekend, um, outstanding. So yeah, if you want to go on a bender, that's fine. Uh, make sure it's a my millennial property bender. Most definitely, and mm. uh, a, a good bender indeed to, to be on, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. So enough of the jargon. Uh, we're going to get into today's episode. We're talking about depreciation. We've got an unreal guest from Depreciator, uh, Scott Brunston, so I'll welcome him in a moment. Most definitely. So let's get into it. Let's do it. How are you, Emily? I'm very well, and I'm, I'm sitting next to you today. That's exciting, isn't it? It's very exciting. For the first time ever, we are in the flesh. We are in the flesh. Thank you, COVID, for now lifting restrictions. I've flown up, and I have the pleasure of sitting right next to you, John. You have, yep. No, I think it's my pleasure more than yours. But in any case, we've got a really interesting segment today. Um, it's about depreciation. So we welcome uh, the great Scott Brunston from a company that's really relevant to the topic. It's called Depreciator. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, John. Hello, Emily. And, and, I, and I do think it was very kind of you to say that depreciation is very interesting, but I'll, I'll do my best to live up to that. 
Well, you've, you've got to pump it, the tyres up early, don't you? You certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's get straight into it, Scott. You've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, can you explain to everyone out there what is depreciation? So depreciation, all it is is claiming a deduction for the wear and tear on an asset. Now, all businesses depreciate their software, they depreciate their furniture, they depreciate their computers. So businesses depreciate things all the time. Tradesmen depreciate their tools. If you're a property investor and you're renting out a property, you're essentially running a business. You've got money coming into that business and that, that's, the, that's the rent. And then you've got your outgoings. So the outgoings that everybody claims, uh, mortgage payments, council rates, water rates, property management fees, they're all outgoings that you claim. Another outgoing that you can claim is depreciation. So it is just compensation for the fact that when you have tenants living in a building, things are going to wear out. There's going to be wear and tear on the building itself and there'll be wear and tear on the carpet, the stove, the curtains, the range hood. So the tax office let you claim money every year for that wear and tear. So that's all That's all depreciation is. It's, it's, it's been around forever. It's only been around since the 80s on property. And what we do is we put together a document called a depreciation schedule and that's what people take to their accountant so their accountant knows how much depreciation to claim every year. Awesome. That's a great explanation. Definitely. Can I just jump in there and say I think um, that might be a light bulb moment for a lot of our community around owning a property is essentially a business. You've got income and you've got expenses and when it's not like Penny might have dropped for a few people there, yeah. but it is, you know, that that was a great explanation, I think. And um, depreciation definitely is something you need to be across. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, what, what, what sort of breaks our heart is that a lot of people don't claim depreciation. Mm. And the reason they don't claim it is because, and, and these tend to be people that do their own tax return. So they're not, they're not going to an accountant. They do their own tax return. They know how much they pay the bank in interest every year because it, it, it you know, they have access to that. They know what they pay their property manager because they get a statement. They know what they pay the council. They know what they pay in water, but they don't know what the claim in depreciation. Mm. And a lot of people are just not aware of it. So they're the people that tend to do their own tax or they may have an accountant who's a little bit behind the times and hasn't sort of factored that into things. Yeah, um, okay. but we, we get a lot of clients coming to us <clears throat> and they say, oh, look, I've owned this property for five years and never claimed depreciation. And it's because they didn't know about it or their accountant didn't tell them about it. It. There's all sorts of reasons people don't claim it. And, and you know, I, I reckon about half the schedules we do are backdated going back, you know, one or two years. Okay. So just on that, Scott, how f if someone's listening saying, well, I've owned a property for 10 years, maybe I should have a shot at this depreciation schedule stuff. How far can you go back? Well, we, we can start a depreciation schedule on any date. You know, we could start a depreciation schedule 20 years ago. The problem is the ATO will only let people amend two completed tax returns. Now, they used to make it, they used to, it used to be four, so people could amend four completed tax returns. And, you know, let's face it, the only reason anybody ever wants to amend a tax return is if they think there's money in it for them. Mm. They're not going to amend a tax return because they think they owe more money to the ATO. So mm. the ATO thought four years was a bit too generous. So they clipped it back to two years or, or two tax returns. Having said that, we regularly get accountants coming to us saying, hey, look, I've just taken over this client. Um, there's been a bit of mismanagement. This client's owned the property for six years and never claimed depreciation. We're going to go back six years and have a crack at claiming it back that far. So, so it does happen. 
Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Most definitely. Um, one thing you touched on just before was you were saying that it, it breaks your heart how many people don't actually know about depreciation and, and aren't uh, claiming it. Do you have a rough estimate of how many uh, investors actually have a depreciation schedule? Based on the amount of property transactions a year that go through for, for, for investors and looking at the number of jobs that we do, we're, we're, we're one of the big companies and, and there's one company bigger than us and then there's others smaller. I suspect there's still only about 20% of people claiming depreciation. Wow. That's low. That's very low. And so, so not only is it people um, doing their own tax and, and not knowing about it or having accountants who are a bit lazy or a bit uh, uh, ill-informed, there are lots of accountants who think that with secondhand property, it's not worth doing. And I know that's something we're going to talk about a bit later. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, I, I see it as free money, Emily. Like I, you look at it and think, well, if the house is going down in value, but the actual land is going up in value, I'm having a win with capital growth, provided that I've got land, obviously. Mm. Um, and I can claim the fact that the house is getting older. It looks very attractive in my tax return. And what it's, it's called a non-cash deduction. When you pay your property manager, you know, $1,800 a year to manage the property, you're spending that money. And then you do your tax and get some of that money back. You pay the council $1,500 a year in rates, and then you get some of that back. With depreciation, that money is sitting on the table. It's just sitting there. You're not having to spend money every year to get that depreciation. All you've got to do is go in and pick up that depreciation from where it's sitting. Mm. And look, a lot of tax professionals, call them accountants, will uh, will say, look, go and buy something new because you can claim maximum depreciation when it's brand new. Um, I made a phone call to you during the week, Scott, because I, I was looking for a, a property for a client and I saw this uh, three-bedroom home that was clearly 1970s, 1980s built. However, they they gutted and almost replaced everything in this property to, to make it look like brand new. And I, I made the call to you and I said, look, Scott, can I share this property with you and take a look? Because I think it's it's back to almost brand new and, and what can we claim and cla- uh, can't we claim compared to something that hasn't been renovated? What sort of a difference is going to is that going to make to someone's investment? Um, can you explain a bit about that? Well, yeah, I, I, I suppose the most critical date in, in depreciation now for residential properties is September 1987. Any, any building that was built after September 1987, that building can be depreciated at 2.5% per annum. Now, let's say somebody, you know, buys a house and it's a 1950s um, fibro house like that one that we looked at. So clearly, that that original house is 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 way too old. It, it, it's it's gone. Yep. But somebody has done a renovation on that house. So because that renovation happened after eighty seven, that renovation can be depreciated. And people say, oh yeah, but I didn't do the renovation, and it doesn't matter. If somebody buys a house <clears throat> that a previous owner has renovated, the new owner can claim depreciation on that renovation. That's absolutely fine. And, you know, a big proportion of the jobs that we do are on older houses and apartments that have been renovated, often by a previous owner. What sort of, to jump in there, what sort of um, evidence do you need to actually have that granted if it was that case where it was an older property pre-1987, now been renovated and updated so, you know, there's some, some new materials and appliances and all the rest of it in there. What evidence do you have to provide to actually show that that is the case? 
You don't need any evidence, and, and often there, there is no evidence because if you go along today and buy a, buy a house and a previous owner did a renovation four years ago, <clears throat> there won't be much evidence. There might be something at the council, there might have been a DA lodged, but if it was an internal renovation, there often won't be. But what we can do is we can look at um, photographs or, or we can inspect a property, but the first stage is to look at photographs. And uh, all of us are pretty good at looking at a set of photographs and saying, well, looking at that kitchen, looking at the bench top, the edging on the bench top, the sort of handles on it, you know, that's been done in the last five or six years. Um, we can look at a bathroom because, you know, all, all of these things go through styles. So there's a style of bathroom that's being done now and it's, it's, it's very easy to pick. And so we can look at the styles of, of bathrooms, the styles of kitchens, um, you know, windows. There's all sorts of things that can tell us when something might have been done. And then, and then we can say, well, we think this, this was done in, in 2010 and we'll estimate what we think that renovation might have cost in 2010. Right. So they... There's a bit of hearsay involved, isn't there? Yeah, they I was they say, don't necessarily need a receipt or um, anything to that. It's really just your your fashion sense from that era. Yeah, and not too much paperwork involved either. It's also the opinion of a quantity surveyor, yeah. and, and certainly when it comes to estimating what that work might have cost. Because mm. um, I mean, we're one of the few companies that that actually use quantity surveyors on the ground uh, when when we walk into a house and look at. And, and try and work out what something might have cost to build. Yeah. You know, we do it every day of the week. Every day of the week, people send us photographs and they say, hey, you know, we've, we've bought this house and, and, you know, we want to know what might be in it. Mm. And from a listing on realestate.com, we can work out pretty easily if it's been renovated and what the reno might have cost. And then we can sort of say to people, here's the depreciation we think we might find if you want to go ahead. That's fab, I think, especially for people listening to this to know that there's uh, you don't have to have receipts and evidence of the renovation in order to actually get a depreciation schedule and start claiming depreciation. If you've done the renovation, it's a good idea to keep receipts. But if a yeah. previous owner did it, no need. Of course. We're going to take a very quick break and when we come back we're going to get into the nuts and bolts a bit further about some things that have changed over the years in the depreciation world uh, and a few more tips for our listeners moving forward. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. So, Scott, tell us what happened in 2017 that, that made depreciation change a little bit. Well, the, the budget in May 2017 was a very sad day for us. <laughs> Took everybody by surprise. Treasury decided to have a bit of a look at depreciation and they introduced a few changes that uh, surprised and disappointed us. And the changes don't affect depreciation on the building. So, so, so with, with depreciation, you have depreciation on the building itself. That's the wall and the floor and the roof and the, the plumbing, the electrics. That, that's, that's structural work. That's capital work. So that depreciates fairly slowly. Then you have depreciation on what's called the assets. And they are things like oven, floor coverings, Hot water heater, aircon, those sort of things. So, what the what 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 happened was in these changes, they said, look, we're not going to touch depreciation on the building at all. That's absolutely fine. That keeps going, and that's great. What we are going to do is look at depreciation on the assets, and they said that brand new assets can still be depreciated. So, if somebody buys a brand new. Uh, house or a brand new apartment, there's no change at all to depreciation. It's exactly the way it was before the changes came through. If somebody buys a second-hand property, four-year-old or five-year-old property, what they can now do is they can still depreciate the building, but the depreciation on those assets, they can't claim. Nothing at all. What, what They claim it later. So what happens is the depreciation that they were able to claim, it essentially gets stored up. And when they sell the property down the track, assuming they sell it for a profit, that stored up depreciation is treated as a capital loss. So it's used to reduce the capital gains tax. So they they get the benefit of that depreciation down the track, not year on year. And when the changes came in after we recovered from the, the disappointment and the shock, mm-hmm. we developed a... Uh, a new depreciation schedule that we call a deferred depreciation schedule. Mm. So it shows that sort of deferred or lost depreciation so that it's there and when the client sells the property down the track, their accountant knows what to claim cool. against, okay. the, against the capital gains. Interesting change. And I would imagine that a lot of people as investors don't actually know that that occurred back in 2017. No, not at all. But I also think just in the people that I've spoken to, around depreciation is there may be a misconception that depreciation is only to do with brand new mm. items, Yes, um, whether that be a brand new house or the items. You're absolutely right, Emily. That, that That's certainly a perception out there. And amazingly, it's a perception with a lot of accountants. Mm. It, it amazes, you know, accountants have to be across a, an enormous amount of stuff. All we deal with is depreciation, so it's a tiny part of tax. But it, it amazes me that... Um, there are accountants out there who heard about this news in 2017, threw up their hands and said, oh, it's all over. There's no depreciation to claim. It's all finished. Mm. And and that's completely wrong. So what we had to do um, you know, in 2018, and we're still doing it, is, is do an education campaign with accountants to sort of make them understand that there's still loads of depreciation to claim. Uh, brand new property is not affected at all. And often there's lots of depreciation still to claim in a secondhand property. Mm. So if I'm driving a truck um, up the middle of New South Wales at the moment listening to this podcast, I go and buy a property in 2021 and and do some renovations uh, that are 
uh, I suppose, assets uh, that you referred to before. Uh, what's the depreciation ruling on something that I do in advance going forward? So anything, any brand new assets that you put into your rental property, now they could be, uh, it could be floor coverings or curtains and blinds or a new hot water heater, new air con, ceiling fans, whatever. Any, any assets that, that you put in and they're brand new for your tenant to use, you claim depreciation on them. So that has not been affected at all. And, and the, the reason for that is that um, nobody else has already claimed the depreciation on those assets. Yep. Okay. If you so, buy a secondhand property, so let's say you buy a 10-year-old property, um, there's a good chance that somebody else has already depreciated that oven. Mm-hmm. So that's why the ATO said, okay, so a subsequent owner, we're not going to have we're not going to have four people depreciating the same oven every time the property gets purchased. Yeah. Which so that's sense. why they said you can only you can only claim depreciation on a new asset. Um, so if somebody buys a property and it's a bit run down and, and you know, like that one that you and I looked at, John, so if somebody buys a property and they go in and put a new kitchen in and floor coverings and curtains and blinds and then rent it out straight away, because all that stuff is new, they get to depreciate it. Yep. Cool. Now, on a practical point... How does a depreciation schedule actually come about? For those listening who don't have one or they're thinking about getting one, um, once they've decided they do want one, what, what's involved? Do you need to attend the property and take photos and inspect or how do you actually formulate that schedule so that it's beneficial for the investor? All right, so, so it, 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 it depends. Um, the first thing is people make contact with us and they say, uh, my accountant said I need a depreciation schedule or my brother-in-law said I should get a depreciation schedule. So, so that's, that's often the first call. The first thing we do is chat to them about the property. Um, we ask about the property, we get the address, we'll have a look online, we'll ask them when they bought the property, when they started to rent it out. So we do a little bit of fact-finding and we want to make sure, first of all, that it's worth claiming depreciation and sometimes it's not. And if we don't think that we can justify our fee, we'll say to people, look, to be honest, it's not worth it, you know, or there's nothing there, so forget about it. Assuming that we think the property is worth claiming depreciation on them, um, in terms of how we do it, if it's a brand new house and the owner has a contract, the ATO say that the actual cost must be used. So if somebody spent $260,000 building a house and they got a building contract that says $260,000, that's our starting point. So we use that contract. There's often enough information in that contract to allow us to uh, value the assets or the client can provide extra information. So they're the ones where we don't need to inspect. We're always happy to inspect it. If, if a client says, oh, look, I'd rather you inspect it, we're happy to do that. We'll charge more. But there's no necessity to inspect if the client has the construction cost or if the construction cost is available. Cool. Um, other times, if a client's bought a five-year-old property um, and we need to work out how much that property cost to build five years ago, in most cases, we're going to need to inspect. Uh, if, if the property is at Broken Hill or somewhere where we don't have anybody, then we might be able to do it another way. But ideally, we'd like to inspect. And certainly in, in capital cities, we you know, invariably inspect properties. So just on that, Scott, when we're looking at costs, if, if we're an investor wanting to get a depreciation schedule done, uh, what are our varying costs? We've got a new property and we've got an existing property. What, are, what would be the two prices on that? Well, the two prices for, for M, M3 listeners 
If we have to inspect the property, our fee is $605, uh, and that includes GST. If we don't have to inspect the property, it's $385, including GST, and they're special prices. And of course, that fee is 100% tax deductible. And importantly, this is not something you have to do every year. Our, our depreciation schedules run for 20 years. So people do it once, and that's it. They don't have to do it again. It's a pretty good investment of money, if you ask me. I mean, I have a depreciation schedule. It's worth every dollar that I spent on it, definitely. But I think you'd be silly not to be purchasing one. Well, and I think like Scott and his team, and and obviously you don't have to use depreciator, but Scott mentioned that uh, he would assess the property and see whether it's worthwhile. If you're not getting more than $605 of value, then he's not going to waste his time nor their money. So exactly, um, it, it's really a win-win. It's worth the phone call at the very, very least. Yeah, absolutely. So no, that's great, Scott, and appreciate the discount. Yeah, to take your point, Emily, I mean, you're right, you're crazy not to have one, but but uh, you're crazy to to, to not inquire about the viability yeah, of getting absolutely. one. So by the sounds of it, and I was going to ask this question, but uh, we all pretty much know the answer to this. If we've got a, a property that's um, 1990 or, or 2000 or uh, 1980s or 30 years older than me and, it, and it's clearly had some renovations done on it, or even if it hasn't, it's worth the uh, the the question or the phone call to, to to just check whether we need a schedule. Tap into some free money, essentially. <laughs> Tap into some free money, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Scott, that's uh, great information. Um, for for everyone that's got a depreciation schedule, well done. You've taken action, as Scott mentioned. You do it once, and it's uh, it's there for the rest of the journey that you own the property. But if you're sitting there with with a property and you haven't done a schedule, you, you need to pick up the phone. Secondly, if you're looking at buying a property, just make sure you um, keep note that you need to get a depreciation schedule done. And I find when I've bought property over the years, the best time to do it is as soon as you've bought it. Then yeah. it's um, out of sight, out of mind, it's done. Send it to your accountant and, and they can do the rest. Uh, yeah, to that point, if, if it's a property that we didn't need to inspect, often at purchase time there's no tenant there. So that, that makes it much, much easier also for us if, if we're going to have to inspect that property. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very valid point. Well, Scott, this has been super insightful and I know there's people listening out there who will be uh, definitely picking up the phone and investigating uh, getting a depreciation schedule after this because it's important. It is very important. As we said, it's uh, potentially free money for you sitting out there as an investor. And you raised that good point, Emily, about treating it as a business. We've, mm. uh, we've got the income, we've got the expenses. You've got to understand what those expenses or claimable items are and, and this is just one of them. So, yes, Scott, appreciate your time and uh, thanks very much. Thanks, Scott. That's right. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. All right. We'll leave it there. Been a pleasure. We'll speak to you next week. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
flimsy stand slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable, North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo. Built to last. Designed to impress.